Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am, Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather together in God's name to Kiki. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and today I'm joined by a fellow Catholic named Justin Dodd. Now, Justin is originally from Chicago, but is spending this current pandemic time in Guatemala. And I'm going to ask Justin about his time there and, and how things have really changed over the course of the past year or so. But obviously, I want to get to, as I mentioned with everybody, their origin story, how they came about to arrive where they are today as a Catholic, either somebody who is very much a part of the church, somebody who's viewing it from afar. And uh, I want to get Justin's take because as somebody who's 25, as somebody who is uh, coming from a family who wasn't necessarily the most religious, I guess, as we can describe later on in our conversation, uh, I just want to see where that where it all stands in, in how that informs the person he is today. So Justin, thank you so much for joining me and for having this conversation. Oh, thank you for having me. No, I'm really glad to be here. So let's talk about your current situation. We've talked about it a little bit off, offline about you being in Guatemala. You've been there for several months now, thanks to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been like being, you know, an American citizen, somebody who by all accounts is outnumbered by the natives who are in Guatemala. Um, Has that been an interesting journey? Has that been a a retrospective, like where you're allowed to just reflect on, on, on things that maybe those of us who are still in the States haven't had a chance to really do? Yeah, well, I've always loved to travel from, from a really early age. I've always kind of felt a call to go out in the world and see as much as I can and do as much as I can and experience as many things that are different from where I'm from as possible. So I've, I've done a lot of traveling in Latin America before, but I was really lucky to have the opportunity to come here uh, more long-term to stay with a friend that I knew originally from the U.S. whose family is from here originally. So I think What's been nice is that in the initial stages of the pandemic, they just did such a good job um, controlling it and managing it that now here things are able to be a little bit looser in terms of social gatherings and, you know, obviously, of course, social distancing and, and masking in any public space. But it's sort of been nice to take this time um, to be able to have a little bit more freedom personally than maybe would be possible in in the US. As far as being outnumbered by the people here, that's kind of what I like about it. You know, I, I feel like I'll always have the opportunity to be as surrounded by as many Americans as I want. Like that's not, <laughs> that's never gonna <laughs> be limited or restricted for me. So as I've been here, I've been trying to spend as much time as possible in, Uh, settings that are unfamiliar to me with people that are unfamiliar to me as possible, Um, of course, within the boundaries of being safe and, you know, respectful of everyone's health and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, For time to reflect, it definitely has probably been less time for reflection than I normally would have in the United States because there, you know, you just have a lot more time because here everything is stimulating. Everything's new. There's always something to process. There's always something that's coming up um, that I'm not used to or that I haven't experienced before. So that kind of keeps my mind 
very, very active. I love that you said that you have this calling to travel because I don't think I ever really perceived it as that. Like that somehow, you know, a lot of us say, especially if you grew up in the faith that we each have a calling, we each have something that we are destined to do because God has ordained it to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the idea that, that you think that that's getting the chance to travel, to witness yeah. other cultures, witness other people, get a chance to talk to them in the language in which they speak, to be able to learn a bit more about them and understand that they too are members of this community, this world community, but also brothers and sisters in Christ, if that's how we choose to believe them to be too. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's totally how I think about everyone in the world, you know, obviously not just Catholics, not just Christians, that mm-hmm. we have so much to learn from each other. And I hope to do as much learning as possible. How has that have been, like just the, the learning process while you've been in, in Guatemala? You've told me before that you've had a chance to travel through Latin America. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time where you're really thrown out of the mix of what's typical in the United States, how our day-to-day has been, especially in the aftermath of the Trump administration. Uh-huh. But you've since been able to be in a place that is away from all that. And, and yeah. you're, uh, you're allowed to really immerse yourself in a, in a culture and in a place that, that doesn't kind of withhold itself to those parameters. Uh-huh. So how has that learning been? I think what's been most surprising to me in that sense is actually how present the consequences of America's decisions are in this part of the world. Obviously, mm-hmm. Guatemala is a huge source of um, immigrants to the United States, a huge source of immigrants to the United States. But it's also been a huge receiver of, I think, some of the worst exports that America has to offer, you know, just completely unbridled capitalism, deep inequality, um, a state that has largely been captured by massive corporations um, and to a certain extent, uh, drug organizations as well. So one thing that surprised me when I came here was before I left, like I went to um, eat a lot of stuff that I really liked from the United States, you know, (laughs) like bats, like cheese fries, like that, that kind of thing. And then when I got here, this is the first time I visited here last year, um, or two years ago, rather. And we were driving home from the airport and going down the main road in Guatemala City. On the right was McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King. They even had a um, Carl's Jr. You know, there was every, like, every mm-hmm. American food corporation that you could imagine is like super present here. So the countries are so much more intertwined in a really unequal, uneven way than I thought before mm-hmm. I came here. What was that conversation like with your family when you told them that this was going to be a decision you were going to make to, to live in Guatemala for this particular moment? Mm-hmm. Um, and was there any hesitation on your part before, or did you just listen to this calling and listen to this you know, inner voice that was telling you that this was the right thing to do right now? My parents are pretty used to me just like picking up and going when I feel like that's like, <laughs> kind of what I want to do or where I want to go. Like I, I first left the country independently of them when I was 13, like, and I went traveling with a group through, through Europe uh, at that time. So they're used to it at this point. I think they were happy for me because, you know, the U.S. had just been like kind of a depressing place for a while. My hesitation wasn't so much for um, myself that I would, you know, miss Chicago or miss my family or miss anything. 
obviously at the time, my biggest hesitation was a feeling like I need to make sure that I can do this in a safe way, not just for me, but so that I'm not some stupid American bringing disease to, you know, down to, mm-hmm. no, down to I mean, that, that makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. So luckily with, with a combination of like several rounds of testing quarantine, when I first got here, um, obviously like three masks on when I was on the plane and everything, I was able to feel like I was doing it in a pretty safe way. So once I had that plan figured out, I didn't, I wasn't too nervous about it really. Do you consider either at this particular moment or at any point in the time that you've been in Guatemala, do you consider it a pilgrimage? Do you consider it uh, an extension of what would be a Catholic expression for you? I, that's how I think of pretty much everything that I do. You know, when I clock into to work as a waiter, I try to think of it as like, how am I fulfilling what I view as like my purpose for being on earth to be? So definitely when it comes to traveling, meeting new people, experiencing a different culture and hopefully um, enriching my life and the lives of the people that I meet through our encounter, I definitely think of it that way. Would you say that there have been opportunities for you to witness God or, or see God in ways that never presented themselves in the United States? Without a doubt, for sure, for sure. I mean, first and foremost, I think Christianity is rooted in the idea of justice for the poor. That's, to me, so often what the message of the gospel comes back to. You know, when you look at how often Jesus mentions the poor, how in the Beatitudes they're elevated to um, a position of, you know, deep spiritual grace. And, you know, it's just the fact that there is much deeper poverty prevalent in Guatemala um, than there is in the United States which isn't to say that it isn't a problem in the United States, but here you're confronted with a level of poverty um, daily that is just so far beyond um, what I think you would experience on most days in the United States. So obviously I'm not foolish enough to think that I can make a dent in that, you know? Um, And also they don't exist for the purposes of my spiritual uh, (laughs) enrichment, obviously. But I do think that when you see people suffering in a way that is so unjust and so um, so the opposite of what a Christian society should be, um, I think that, I mean, that, that has to affect you. That has to strike you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you this because before we had this conversation, you sent me a little bit of a, a bio about who you are and, and how you're approaching not only your religion, how you're approaching life, and you proudly proclaim yourself a socialist. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to talk about this because of what you're just talking about um, Mm -hmm. with regards to the poverty that you're witnessing, not only in Guatemala, but what can be seen here in the United States. Right. Um, How have you been able to, to kind of grow in that political affiliation in the past year or so? And how much has queerness impacted your political ideology too. Mm -hmm. So I think first and foremost, like I was saying, Guatemala has been the receiver of so much of America's worst exports. And I don't mean that in terms of products, but ideas really. Um, So I don't know how familiar anyone will be with, with the history of Guatemala, but 
for most of the 20th century, it was controlled by some really brutal right-wing dictatorships that were largely propped up and supported by the United States. And not just by the United States, but by companies within the United States who wielded almost governmental power here in Guatemala. And even though that situation has, has evened out into something like democracy, the, the legacy of that still is super prevalent in the country today. So being here, I think, is seeing what, what the capitalist class in America would do to us in America if we were as unable to defend ourselves against them as Guatemala was in the 20th century. And what I mean by that is that obviously, in some sense, the government of the United States has to be responsive to the people in the United States. So they can't necessarily come in here and just fully abuse us as directly as they could to Guatemala. So it's an example here, seeing what these companies and what the government would gladly do to you and me if they could. Mm -hmm. And so that's heightened for me, obviously, my identity as a socialist, as somebody who believes that we need to dramatically redistribute wealth in the United States and, and totally reshape our economic system to reflect what I view as Christian justice. As far as queerness influencing my um, identity as a socialist, I think whenever society pushes you to, to the... Um, to the board, what am I trying to say? Whenever society pushes you <laughs> kind of like to the um, to the edges, the to the fringes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I think that just necessarily develops an empathy in you for everyone else who's in that position, whether it's people of color, whether it's the poor, whether it's any element of American society that isn't straight, rich, white men. Mm -hmm. I think every queer person especially if you're a queer person of color, a queer person who's coming from a particular aspect of, of life that is, is hard to really wrap your mind around, mm -hmm. that there is, this, there is marginalization that happens. There is a level of oppression that is unfortunate that is still part of our journey as queer folks. Totally, and especially um, within the church. Especially within the church. So I wanna bring in the church in, in this particular point of our conversation about like what, how were you able to reconcile all of these things that we were either hearing explicitly, implicitly from our church or church leaders um, in, in trying to understand that you were not meant to be marginalized, that you were not meant to be on the outskirts looking into the church saying, hi, am I going to be able to be a part of this feast or not? Um, right. Was that, what kind of journey did that look like? So like you said at the beginning, um, I grew up in a family that was more or less irreligious. Neither of my parents were practicing any kind of religion. And I had kind of like a loose idea that my grandma was Catholic. Uh, I knew my other one wasn't. And I, I just didn't grow up with any kind of like faith underpinning at all. Um, and it was really actually at about the same time that I was coming to terms with being gay that I was also developing more of a spiritual life internally. And I think most people, not, you know, it's not the same for everybody, but most people do have a moment where they realize like, oh, I'm not just like vaguely different. Like there's a word for this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like I'm gay actually is what it is. 
<laughs> and I think that's like a terrifying moment for a lot of people. Even if you've already known it subconsciously, like putting it into words, there's just like kind of like a flash that happens where you realize like my life, you know, is just going to be different in some ways. Um, and I think at that moment in my life, I also was really interested in connecting more spiritually because I had never had that growing up. I wasn't, I wasn't, there were no preconceived notions in my mind about who God was, what I should think or what I should believe spiritually, if there even was a God, was not anything that my parents ever pushed on me at all. So in that moment where I was feeling really weak and vulnerable and scared, there was also going on at the same time, this exploration of Christianity and Catholicism specifically. And for me, being so scared and being so vulnerable was the perfect time to be receptive to a message that there is somebody who has known you before you were even born, someone who knows everything about you, even things you don't know about yourself and loves you so, 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 so much. And there's nothing you can do to push that love away. There's nothing you can do that's gonna change it. I mean, that's, you know, that's huge. That's so, so, so important, I think. So when I was coming to, in a personal sense, a determination that that was what I believed, that was my experience, I felt God loving me. Um, I just started exploring like tons of different religions. I mean, I went to like a Mormon church one time. I was going to like. Oh, interesting. Even, yeah, no, I was, I mean, at that point I was not in any sense like wedded to the idea of, of being Catholic at all. But I think the first time that I just got through the rotation of different churches and, you know, I went to a mosque even once. Um, and like, so, but when I first went to mass the first time, it was just so like, it just clicked. Like it felt absolutely right to me personally. And it was just that feeling of like, there is a God, he loves me so much. And this is the closest that I've ever felt to him. So I, I, I entered the church with like an expectation that I would be welcomed, you know? And like, I, I came into it without any fear that my parents, you know, being Catholic would reject me. Um, there was no community that had known me from my youth to disappoint, you know, in that mm -hmm. sense. So I came into it first knowing that God loved me, first knowing that I wanted to be a part of this. And just in general, in every sense, I don't, you know, I don't have any problem pushing things out of my way to get where I want to be. So. I think there's something so special and beautiful about the power of election, right? We as queer people elect who we tell we're queer. We go about, we come out. And I always say that it is a privilege that we bestow upon somebody to say, hi, I love and trust you enough to tell you something very important about me that could honestly cause me harm and just be, could be violent in any particular situation depending totally. on who the audience is and the same thing with this idea of electing to go to a church electing to be a part of an institutional body electing to be a part of a religion that 
is considered by some to be spiritually violent, but has mm-hmm. not been your particular experience. And if it was, elect out of it. Like there, yeah. there really is something so beautiful about um, choice. And yeah. choice is, is something that a lot of people think that we make as queer folks, that we choose our sexuality when that's obviously not the case. Yeah. Say that again. Probably would not have been my first choice, but <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said about that too. Like, I that we obviously a lot of our understanding of life is based off what we see, what we're exposed yeah. to, and I can imagine. I mean, and I said this to you before we got started about my own exposure to religion, my own exposure to the Catholic Church. It was heightened. It was yeah. as Catholic as you can imagine it to be. And clearly that has played a role in, in how I've gone about living my life today. Mm-hmm. And I love that you went in the complete opposite direction. Something that you were not exposed to whatsoever ended up being something that provided you with a lot of comfort and levity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think I'm grateful to my parents for not ever pushing me in one way or another um, when it came to religion or, or spiritual beliefs at all, because I think there's just a kind of a natural tendency to rebel, you know? I think mm-hmm. as you grow up, you want to change. You want your own identity. And I think a church necessarily calls you to more of a communal identity that I think is just so easy to reject, especially when that communal identity seems to be consistently asking you to be homophobic, sexist, intolerant, oftentimes racist, and just generally the opposite of what the younger generation in America things of themselves to be. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you have conversations with your family um, or anybody else in your life who might not be the most religious about mm-hmm. your spiritual journey, or is it something that, because I have always said that for myself, my sexuality and my spirituality are very personal. Yeah. And even though I've come to this place in my life where I talk openly about it to a degree, mm-hmm. it's still something I hold very much near and dear to my heart. Um, without really letting too many people in. Yeah. Are you of that mindset? Like how much of what you've gone through as a queer Catholic, trying to 